welcome to A Wild New Work, a podcast about how to take wise, soul-centered action in your work life, all based on the wisdom of nature. I'm Megan Leatherman, a mother to two small kids, coach, writer, and amateur ecologist living in the Pacific Northwest, and I'm your host today. Hi, friend, and welcome. Welcome if it's your first time or if you're a regular listener. I'm so glad to have you here and be in this conversation with you today. I'm recording this at the height of summer. The sun is in the sign of Leo. The days are still long. The sun is strong. And when we're in the height of this season, literally and metaphorically in our lives or in our vocational journeys, we want to be really smart about the way that we're using our resources, how we're using water, energy, and we see this in the plants and the animals around us who are sort of conserving their energy, spending time in the shade, resting, being judicious about how much they use and how busy they are because there is limited water right now and even limited food for some creatures. And I feel this, especially this year, as I'm hearing a lot about inflation and a possible recession. Some of my clients have expressed fears around making shifts in their working lives because of the way the economy is looking right now. And for a long time on the podcast, I wanted to talk about money and purpose and how they relate. And it's come up sort of tangentially in many other episodes, but um, for the last few weeks, I've been feeling like I really wanted to speak to it directly just because on one hand like this is really relevant I think to what's happening in the world but also it makes a lot of sense at the height of summer to be talking about how we want to relate to resources and um, how we want to be wise in these times when things may feel a little bit more lean or unpredictable and so this isn't a comprehensive like final statement on like money and purpose but I do want to speak to how to find a healthy balance between the two, between living out your purpose and listening to your inner guidance and honoring your material needs, even in the midst of a system called capitalism where the hoarding and extraction of resources is just sort of baked in. We're living in a system where scarcity is sort of, on one hand, manufactured, right? We think that like, there's truly not enough money in the world. We all have to fight for it, which just isn't true, but also a really perverted relationship with true scarcity and pretending like we can just mine for coal or um, mine for natural natural gas until the end of days and that there's just an abundance of that. So capitalism gives us a really messed up view of scarcity and resources. And So I want to shed a little bit of light on that today and support you in finding a balance that actually fits for you and your soul and your bank account and all those things in this moment at this time in your life. So before I begin, I just want to put in a little caveat that I believe that we need to get way beyond capitalism and wage labor. Um, I'm not one. I'm not like a conscious capitalist kind of person. I think the whole thing is rotten and broken and that we are seeing the effects of that in our world today. Um, And so 
I, on one hand, I know that we need to like live in this system and work with it because it's where we're here. But my hope is that we are also giving voice to and birthing a, a world without wage labor where you don't have to work to earn income, where there is universal basic income so that everyone's basic needs are met or even something more quote unquote extreme than that. I don't know what's beyond that. I haven't looked into what's even further than universal basic income. But while we are here inside of late stage capitalism, we do need to learn how to work with it and stay true to our integrity. So that's what I want to talk about today. I also want to give you a little insight into where I'm coming from because, you know, everyone's perspective on this is unique. My perspective is in part limited by my experiences and I just want to be really transparent about how I relate to money right now. You know, as a young child, I did experience poverty. We lived in a trailer for a little bit. Um, We did need help uh, accessing food from the church community that we we were a part of. Um, I have memories of just just being poor, and so that is that was true, and that sort of baked into my family story. And I was sort of shielded from the worst of it by the color of my skin, by the fact that my parents spoke English and were citizens, the fact that my parents could work and earn income. Um, And so I have some experience with uh, financial instability, but not as much as others. Um, And so now as an adult, my orientation to this is a little bit different i think because i've i my parents were able to create some financial stability for us so chris and i my partner chris and i our income is relatively low we both work for ourselves we both work part-time because we have two young kids Um, but we do have resources like some savings some investments we own our home this is our second home that we've owned so i do have um, a relatively extensive safety nets. Often it doesn't feel like that and we live a lot more modestly than some of our peers, but compared to, you know, the global majority of how people are being asked to live under capitalism right now, we're considered wealthy and I feel that and I'm grateful for that. So for us, for me and Chris, I guess I can't speak for him, but for me, You know, I came to the decision around seven, eight years ago, and this is an ongoing conversation I have to have with myself, but I've sort of decided that right now, trading my time, trading my energy for income through a job isn't in alignment for me, and that's a decision Chris has made for himself too. So that means at times we don't earn as much as we would if we were both in like a nine to five full-time kind of thing. So we've had to choose to live pretty modestly. We got a new car a couple of months ago and it's almost 10 years old. (laughs) We have a pretty modest home. We do local vacations. We don't do um, big trips really. So that's a conscious choice that we've made and it's certainly not always easy. But again, we do have access to just a wealth of resources that many people in the world don't have. And for us, it's worth it so that we can each work part-time, so that we can own our schedules, so that we can be flexible if our kids need it and really enjoy the luxury of some autonomy and spaciousness. So 
Again, it's not a perfect mix. It won't stay like this forever. We both plan to work and earn more as our kids grow up and you know need us a little bit less, but this is what works for us right now. And this arrangement would not work for everyone. There are lots of people who don't have kids who maybe want to work more or people who have a family history much more stressful than mine who feel like they truly need more financial stability. But I just want to be transparent about how I orient to money and calling in my life right now, uh, because I think a lot of times we can all sort of project this view that like everything is great or the same, that like, you know, I have this business and it's thriving and I'm rich and I have purpose. And I just want to be really honest that I do feel really purposeful in my work. I do feel really rich in many ways. And there's definitely room for us to have more financial stability. But at this time in our lives, in my life, that's less important than having the spaciousness to like, you know, meditate for a long time in the morning and do the work that I want to do and take a lot of time off if I need it. So um, that's what the mix kind of looks like for me right now. I want to talk now about some of the traps that I see people and clients getting into. And the biggest one that I see is this belief that if we're going to do meaningful, soulful work in the world, it means that we're going to be poor. Um, I had a client years ago who kept getting signs and since she was young had these yearnings to be a healer of some kind. Um, And she... we were like doing this exercise to sort of map out like what this archetype looks like for her in her mind like what is a healer and what's her what are her beliefs about that and most of the description was someone who you know is wearing rags they're impoverished they um, cannot meet their basic needs they have no financial stability Um, and I really appreciated her honesty and how she was really honest about how like panicked she felt about that idea that if she were to follow this thread and honor this yearning that it would mean um, a life of real struggle and this idea that to follow our purpose means that we will be destitute and even people with really large incomes or safety nets get into this trap we can go really far into this idea where we're truly buying into this belief that like we will not have housing, we will not have food, we will not be able to access medical care. We can sort of catastrophize a bit or like make it really, really big. And I want to address some of the pitfalls or issues that I see with this belief in case it's something that lives in you and is something that wants to be unpacked a little bit so that there can be some real breathing room here where you can see that it's a lot more complex and nuanced than just if I do my soul's work, I will not have any money. The first issue with this is that in this culture, we criminalize poverty. We see people who are poor or impoverished as people who have individually failed, people who have not made smart choices, people who have been reckless or lazy. And that is so wrong. That is so far from the truth. There are studies that if you just start to give people who are poor money, just give them cash, 
they make wonderful choices to take care of themselves and take care of their communities all of the whole like nonprofit system where there's all these gateways around who can access what and you have to you know show that you really need it or like justify your poverty or justify your life choices or do all of this stuff that rich people never have to do when they're accessing loans or financial assistance um, that is all wrong like the gateways need to fall away we need to just be giving people money um, so this idea that to follow your soul's path means that you will be poor is in some ways rooted in this belief that to be poor is an individual failing, that you've made an individual choice that was wrong. Um, and that's just not true inside of a system that is rigged against people, all people, especially those who um, aren't able to work in traditional fields or who have other barriers and trauma that they had no choice in but are living with today so big headline is that it's not wrong to be poor <clears throat> second i want to remind you i know you know this but i want to remind you that many very important culture shifting works of art technology activism mastery have come from people who have been poor maybe not their entire lives or forever, but at certain points. The singer and performer Josephine Baker made huge contributions to culture and died very poor. Jackson Pollock was initially very poor as he was making art. Many spiritual leaders or monks, many people in our world who are doing incredible things, who are wildly successful in their ideas or in their art, have empty bank accounts or horrible credit scores, you know? Money has nothing to do with success. They are not, they're not even related usually. They're not indicative of one another. They don't have a relationship. Not making a lot of money doesn't mean that you are not successful. And making a lot of money does not mean that you are, right? This is way more complex than we often think of it as. Elon Musk has a ton of money, is thought to be incredibly successful in business, um, but I think he has a rotten soul and is a tormented, anguished person. And so for a long time, I was caught in this trap too, believing that because I wasn't making a lot of money in my business, because I didn't feel like I was um, financially super, success super successful, I got into this trap of believing that what I was doing wasn't purposeful or helpful or inspired. And believing that, believing that because I wasn't, you know, earning a ton of money through my business, that then the business was flawed or that I was flawed, really. Believing that really suffocated my creativity and my resourcefulness and my trust in myself. And it took me to some really dark places and it definitely did not help me to earn more in my business. So we have to break this down and really separate money and financial success from integrity and purpose and calling. There are absolutely times when these two things come together and I'll talk about that in a minute. There are other times when they are, they have an inverse relationship, they have no relationship, they seem totally random. Um, and I wanna just remind you that just because you are 
maybe struggling financially does not mean that the work you're doing doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that the yearnings you have for something else are unimportant. If you're earning a lot of money right now, it doesn't mean that what you're doing isn't purposeful or that it's bad. We really want to like separate and make distance between these two things. For most of us, we will find a balance between our callings and our material needs. There are times when our callings or the paths that we're invited to go down are demanding that we make sacrifices. And for some of us, that is financial security. Many of my clients, certainly not all, but many of the people that I work with reach a point in this work where they are asked to take a financial risk in order to honor what it is that their deeper selves need. That might mean leaving a job without something else lined up. It might mean saying no to a certain client or a certain opportunity. It might mean not working for a moment or asking a spouse or a family member or friend to pitch in to support them. It might mean tapping into financial aid or state-sponsored aid programs. So the truth is that this road of meaningful work and showing up as our truest selves in the world of service, it's not easy and it's not meant to be easy. Wherever your soul's growth edge is where you will be taken to. So there will absolutely be times on this path where you are presented with a risk, with a choice that feels scary, with opportunities that feel bigger than you can really hold or um, you know scarier than you can hold. So that might mean, again, leaving something without income, um, disappointing your partner or parents or friends, giving up some big job or successful business to follow an idea that feels really true to you. All of these growth cycles throughout our lives and our working journeys, they demand a death of some kind. They do demand sacrifice. Not permanently. I don't believe that we're all destined to be impoverished or that you have to give up all material comforts in order to live purposefully. And some people would disagree with me there. But I absolutely believe that there will be sacrifices required along the way. We're not meant to always be comfortable. We're not meant to always have all the answers and all the financial stability that we need all the time. For some people, finances is just never really a question. It's not their karma or it's not their soul's work to be doing. But if you're here listening to this and you want to do meaningful work in the world and you see that here we are in late stage capitalism and you have some difficult choices to make, then part of your soul's evolution may be getting more comfortable with some of this risk and getting an expanded view of what it means to be successful and what it means to meet your material needs while doing work that's in in integrity for you. On the other side of that sacrifice, on the other side of that edge where we feel like we have to take a step that feels scary, That's where your sovereignty lies, where your expanded capacity for joy is, your increased trust in yourself, and your increased trust in this web of life that we are all part of, in the truth that there really are enough resources for everyone on this planet. It's just that the arrangement that they're in right now is unsustainable. 
So this is not meant to be easy all the time. Your soul or the universe, they're not going to give you everything in the most familiar, digestible way. I've never met anyone who's like, here is your next uh, cycle of soul's work and here's all the money you could ever imagine and here it is in the most comfortable expected way. <laughs> Sometimes we do we are required to make a choice that feels financially risky. Sometimes we're asked to say yes to a thing that does look too good to be true or that we don't feel worthy of. It's different for all of us but I see a lot of people get stuck when they start to be confronted with financial risk and I want you to know that that's normal it's common. It's so okay to feel afraid. Again, this the system and economic arrangements that we're in are crazy. But I also want to remind you that you have a choice and that this is not an all or nothing thing. It's not true that if you take the step that feels risky that you will always have financial instability. It's not true that if you ignore the step that you need to take that you'll always be financially secure. Your blend of purpose and financial stability will change and it will be unique to you and what you need at different points in your life. So I just want to speak to this other trap that I see people get into. It's sort of the flip side of the like purpose and poverty trap, which is this idea that work that's financially lucrative is meaningless or that it has to be totally soul sucking, that we sort of trade our soul and ourselves in order to be wealthy or to have financial stability. And it is true that lucrative jobs or projects can be completely soul-sucking and require a huge sacrifice of your time and your energy. It is also true that we can bring our entire selves into these roles and that they can be the next right step for us on a deep level. It's also possible that we can make these roles resonant for us and meaningful to the people that are impacted. I think what's hard about this is that it requires more presence and clarity and inner power than a lot of us have because it's harder to go against the current of a culture where people are making a lot of money and working a ton and trading a lot of themselves for the financial piece. It's harder to go against that stream, I think, you know, but it, of course, it's possible to be in a really financially lucrative business or organization where you're not working 40 or more hours a week, or you're absolutely guided by your intuition in meetings, or where you can reflect back to the CEO or to a big client or big persona that, you know, this work actually isn't urgent and I won't trade all of my resources for it. And you can also pay me a lot. And <laughs> those don't have to be a paradox. So it's absolutely possible to earn a lot of money and still be doing meaningful, purposeful work. That may absolutely be your path for a time, and that's beautiful. So you get to decide what your mix is and what you're being called to do in terms of your soul's work and your financial needs. I want to share a few points about this from the natural world just to give some context and some maybe different ways of thinking about this. So. In the natural world, when we think about resources and how they flow, we can see that resources are not hoarded in the natural world. Hoarding resources limits flow and creates stagnation and death. 
There are creatures that preserve resources like squirrels that hide nuts around and save them for the winter, but these squirrels are only saving as much as they can carry themselves and as much as they need for themselves. And that work is what helps to proliferate, you know, more walnut trees or more oak trees in the forest. So it's a blessing to the ecosystem. In the natural world, there's no stagnation. There's no few creatures who get all of the resources in the ecosystem. The ecosystem wouldn't function and it would collapse. And surprise that's what we're seeing in our culture right now right if you think of like if if all the water in the planet was hoarded by like the top one percent of creatures everyone would die there's no flows the stagnant water will rot and be you know useless to the rest of life so in the natural world there is this constant flow and sharing of resources there's also a ton of adaptation you know, the evergreen trees right now at the height of summer are being really wise and judicious with their water usage, with how much they're growing. If there's a lot of water and a big rain, they'll take it in and maybe they'll grow a little bit. Maybe they'll save it. If there's a drought or a period without any water, then growth will come to a halt. And they do, they know that by trusting their own instincts and the signals that they're getting, but also by being connected to one another underneath the ground through their networks and learning what's happening for others in the environment and how can I respond and take care of myself. So it's really about noticing what's here, working with what's right in front of you, and remembering that hoarding and holding and clinging to resources is not ultimately what's going to keep us safe or save us. What's going to keep us safe is the just and fair flow of resources, including money, information, um, natural resources. That's, That's what's natural and sustainable. The way that things are in our world, I think we're all being invited to start getting a little more comfortable with discomfort in terms of like resources and money. So no surprise, there's like increasing income inequality. We've got inflation issues right now. A lot of people are worried that we're headed into another recession. And I just want to say, and I'm not trying to be like cheeky or cute here, I just want to say that this isn't necessarily a bad thing. You know, for those of us who do have enough, who do have our basic needs met, this can be a moment where we are brought closer into solidarity with the people who have been poor, with the people who do make up the working classes, who are really living paycheck to paycheck, who bear the brunt of this toxic system. This can be a moment where we can come closer together in solidarity and start to see what that life is like more. And that's really important. That That's empathy and learning to see the world the way it really is right now. It can also bring us into a more just relationship with the earth and with its resources, learning how to use less, how to appreciate more, how to really like bask in the luxury of a good view or greenery or a clean glass of water or the few hours a day when we get to use our air conditioner. You know, we're not meant to live in this way forever and ever. It's not going to be possible for 10% of us on this planet to keep using as much electricity and water and food as we are. 
So we can be brave right now and wise right now and really be considerate of the resources in our world and how they're shifting and how we're being asked to really confront the question of why we're here, why so few people in our culture have so much more than they need, why we're tolerating wage labor, why we think it's still right that we all sort of pine away or work and trade our lives for an income when so many, when there's like plenty of resources in the world. So this is a really pivotal, I think, important time where we can be asking bigger questions and showing up in different ways. On a personal level, this is a time when we can get to know how money and financial stability might limit our soul's growth. And it doesn't always, and this isn't like a blanket statement, but we get to understand like what that edge is for us. We need to get to know that when, you know, when is it becoming like out of balance for us? You know, money should be in service to our purpose, in service to our soul's desires and growth. Money should not be the master of the soul and our calling. Our souls are not interested in our comfort or in our retirement accounts. The soul is interested in having enough space to express its genius in the world through our lives and through our work and our relationships and the way that we show up. So that doesn't mean that we should be reckless or that we should hide away from our financial realities or that desiring more money is bad. We're not all soul. We're also human. Of course, we're still limited by these material realities and it's not a bad thing. So we get to decide how we want to work with that mix. It may mean that we do live more modestly so that we can have space for our creativity or our heart-led service or you know, working less so that we have time to build and care for community or giving up some of the ambitions that we may have had when we were younger. It may be that there are times in our journey when we're not earning very much and we have to depend on others while we make a change or pursue a new idea. It might mean that we sit with that discomfort of earning a lot more than we ever have or more than our parents made or more than we think that we deserve. So it's really different for all of us. But as much as you can, I just want to encourage you to break down the rigid stories in your mind about what it takes to do meaningful work in the world. You can find your own unique mix. You can absolutely support yourself and do the work that enlivens you. But it won't look the same all the time. It won't look the same forever and ever. And it may look different from your peers. There's a lot of pressure in our culture to continue to like ascend in our classes constantly, like to become more and more wealthy, to become more wealthy than our parents were, to, you know, keep going up and up and up. And I think a lot of us are bumping up with the reality that that story doesn't make sense anymore. And that story is killing our planet and it's killing people and, and other creatures. So if you feel that bump, if you're noticing that like you're, you maybe you have or had previous desires to like ascend and just make more and more money and you're feeling like maybe that's limiting in some way, I just want you to make a lot of space for new stories about what it could look like for you to show up in the ways that you need and want to show up right now and absolutely have housing and food and enough money to have fun and be generous and give to others. Um, It's not an either or choice.
So that's what I wanted to share with you today. I hope that that feels expansive and encouraging and that you feel empowered to sit with and make a mix that works for you right now. Um, And if you have questions or other thoughts, please feel free to reach out. This is something that I think about a lot and I'm happy to check in about if you have thoughts that you wanna share. Um, So as you know, maybe from the last episode, This summer, I'm also slowing down my activity a little bit, so I'll share another episode in a month toward the end of August. Um, If you would like to stay in closer touch, I'm still sending out a weekly email where I share more on how to stay aligned with the rhythms of the natural worlds and the needs of your inner landscape. So you can sign up for my newsletter at awildnewwork.com or at the link in the show notes. I'd love to have you in that community. Take such good care. Thank you for being here, and I'll see you in about a month.